Welcome to Inside the Castle, the podcast that goes behind castle doors to have real conversations with real people about solving the nation's toughest challenges. I'm one of your hosts today, Angie Fryermuth. And I'm Donnell Wright. Today's guest host is Dr. Crystal Tooley Cordova. She's principal hydrologist at the Navajo Nation Department of Water Resources. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. For today's episode, we are celebrating Native American Heritage Month. But before we get started, we want to know more about our guest, Crystal. So tell us a bit about yourself and heritage, please. I thought I'd start off um, with first introducing myself in our native language. And she'e Crystal Tuli Cordova Yanishia Twitch Eatni Nishlent Katnezatni Bashishin Hashkan Hedzohe Edesha Che Tuo Heklini Edeshanale Bistok Lijindej Gij Do Tosakai De Nasha. So I basically said, I am Crystal Tuli Cordova. I am from the Bitterwater clan, born into the Tangle People clan. My maternal grandfather's clan is a yucca fruit strung on a line. And my paternal grandfather's clan is the water that flows together. I am from the communities of Blue Gap, Arizona and Tuatlagai, New Mexico. One of the great opportunities that I have is to know the language of the, my ancestors. And it's important to have this understanding because many of the listeners may or may not know that the Navajo language was an integral part of World War II. And it's important to have an understanding that this language is still surviving today. I'm Crystal and I am from the largest land-based tribe in the United States, as well as the largest populated tribe. Thank you, Crystal, for being with us today. And as Danielle mentioned earlier, this episode is about uh, diversity inclusion, and it celebrates the Native American Heritage Month. So as you mentioned in your opening, the tribal nations have been very instrumental in U.S. history, world history. And so is there anything specific that you would want others to know about your heritage? One of the things that I would like people to know in the audience is that there are many Native American tribes still here today. There are over 570 federally recognized tribes in the United States. That doesn't include the state recognized and unrecognized tribes. So it's important to have that understanding because when you know one tribe, you know one tribe. Um, Many of these tribal nations have a variety of language and dialects, cultural customs and traditions. And it's important to have that understanding because although we may all be Native Americans, as far as the tribes are collectively understood, they are individually unique. And it's important to have that understanding, especially within the Corps of Engineers, because when you work with tribes throughout the United States, just because you work with one tribe to say that that would be, you know, copy and paste and you'll have success, that that's not true and so it's important to have an understanding that when you work with different clientele just as you work with different states and different cities it's important to have a knowledge about your client and how to best uh, communicate with them and even when we just think about communication right it's important to think about our forms of communication in this time period we are in the virtual age where we communicate via email through video messages and 
phone call and in-person is pretty limited these days. And so it's important to have that understanding because when you think about tribes, one of the things that people don't understand is that there are some infrastructure disparities in the country with tribes. So not everyone has running water, not everyone has electricity. In the Navajo Nation on the Washington Post Live yesterday, the president of our tribal nation, Jonathan Nez, you know, shared that 30 to 40% of Navajo residents do not have running water. And so that's a, a significant portion of the population that doesn't have basic infrastructure. And so having that understanding about your clients that you work with, it's important to have knowledge that there's variability with where people are at with communication, where people are at with infrastructure. Um, because once you gain a better understanding about who you're working with, you can be able to better work collaboratively together. So, Crystal, what you're saying is, I mean, even even in 2021, those statistics there, that's that's a bit troubling to me. You would think that we would be a little bit further along. Is that what you think? 30, almost 40 percent? Uh, yeah, people yeah. don't have running water and the similar numbers for those who don't have electricity. And I myself didn't grew up without running water. And that's hard to believe of someone of my generation. You would think that would be my great grandparents generation to have that challenge. But I'm very familiar with what it takes to you know, go to a place, take a barrel there, put water in it, and then, you know, be able to conserve your use throughout the week. Because not only are there challenges associated with the water infrastructure and the electricity, but you begin to think about roads too. So when people, the president of our Navajo Nation did share in his interview that his family members, although he's in the highest position for our tribe, his family continues to travel 30 miles each way to gain access to water for their in-home needs. And so, you know, it's important to have an understanding that we're, when we're in one of the richest countries in the world and you still have these disparities, there's opportunities for partnerships. And these partnerships for my tribe include collaborating with federal entities like the Army Corps of Engineers, the Bureau of Reclamation, uh, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, and the USDA with some of their rural development projects, as well as uh, the EPA. All right, thank you, thank you. So, Crystal, I do have, you know, a question when you when you're talking about some have no running water and it's a long distance to get that water. I'm sure there's other challenges with water and land resources. So can you talk a little bit more about that so our listeners can get a better understanding of the challenges that tribal nations face? Definitely. So one of the, the interesting things to have an understanding about are the climate change impacts that we are currently experiencing. And so with that said, for the Southwest, that looks like drought. And when we have drought and the most vulnerable populations for climate change tend to be indigenous communities, it's important to have an understanding of who's vulnerable to drought. So for the Navajo Nation Department of Water Resources, our water that uh, comes from shallow aquifers are vulnerable. Also most vulnerable include our water haulers, uh, livestock and agriculture. And when you begin to think about that, it's important to have an understanding in an area that has, 
you know, our water rights throughout the Navajo Nation are not all resolved, meaning they have not all either been litigated or settled. We do have water rights settled with New Mexico San Juan River water. And then more recently with the omnibus bill that passed in December 2020, the Navajo Utah Water Rights Settlement. And so it's important to have an understanding about policy as well, because when you live in a country where the population that I am from was thought of as savages, you began to think about what challenges that might may have had through the assimilation process. And, you know, when water rights were given out, uh, Native American tribes were not included, for example, in the Colorado River Basin in, uh, compacts. But, you know, when we think about the interaction on the land now, it's important to have an understanding that all tribes have different related challenges associated with their area. So I mentioned, you know, drought is one challenge on the land that we're experiencing, but the Navajo Nation was an area where uranium mining had occurred for the purpose of defending this country. And we have over 521 abandoned uranium mines throughout Utah, uh, New Mexico, and Arizona. And it's important to have an understanding of that because abandoned uranium mines that are not reclaimed have impacts to water as well. So these are challenges that we deal with on a day-to-day, -day, not just related to the climate impacts that we are experiencing, but also associated with legacy um, mining waste that has occurred in this area. So let me ask you something, Crystal. Is there is there anything the Corps or our federal government can do to to better partner with the tribal nations uh, to get you the resources and the things that you need? Definitely. So through the treaties that we have with the federal government, we have different federal partners that are have a federal trust responsibility, and it's a perpetual responsibility to be able to assist tribal nations in various ways. For example, the Army Corps of Engineers, we have been participating as partners in different um, opportunities for gaining better understanding about our water resources. So through PAS um, type effort, as well as FPMS, having an understanding about the watershed, having an understanding about areas that may be prone to flooding, help communities throughout the Navajo Nation, and also help leadership within the Navajo Nation to be able to provide sustainability for our communities so that we can continue to survive, but not only survive, to thrive. And there are also opportunities that have happened in the past where the Corps have assisted with uh, building schools and other important projects. Crystal, can you, um, you talked briefly about some of the efforts that you've done with the Corps of Engineers, but can you talk about your other experiences that you've had with the Corps in the past? Yes, I can uh, elaborate upon that. I think one of the, the places to start is a challenge that we've had with the Corps. And I bring this up because it's important to have knowledge that when you have a challenge, that doesn't necessarily mean that's a bad thing. And our challenge with the Navajo Nation with the Corps was the fact that we're, we're a very large tribe. 
And those listeners, if you're familiar with the size of West Virginia, we're similar in size to West Virginia. The challenge that we have is that we have to work with three different districts, Albuquerque, Sacramento, LA district. Sometimes, although we're a part of one entity, we work in silos. And so that was the case with the core to where, you know, LA district didn't know what Sacramento or Albuquerque district were doing with the Navajo Nation and how to be able to have an understanding about what's going on to progress forward. And our boundary, you know, is not distinct and it doesn't follow the lines of the Army Corps of Engineers. And so to address that issue, the Corps realized that was a challenge and two things had occurred. The first thing was to be able to have meetings every other month including Navajo Nation partners who have core projects, as well as the three districts. And this is important for a few reasons, right? It's about communication. Sometimes when we have challenges, it's about these things that, you know, make a lot of sense, like improving communication. So that was definitely one way in which we improved the communication. It also allowed for an opportunity to better collaborate among the districts to be able to have lessons learned, if you will, you know, have an understanding about what worked well in one area, maybe what didn't work so well in another area, to be able to gain better improvement was important. Uh, but the second thing that had occurred was that we got a Navajo Nation program manager. And so that person is the POC for for things within the Navajo Nation, either if the Corps wanted to communicate with Navajo Nation or if Navajo Nation wanted to communicate with the Corps, that person was always CC'd. So there was always someone that had the ball in case the ball got dropped. It's important to have that knowledge because when you have these large projects and projects that span over different time periods, it's important to have a way in which we efficiently work together well. And so that was one of the, the challenges that we had. But I mean, outside of that, we've been that encouraged us as well to, to look at different projects that we have with the Corps. For the Navajo Nation outside of my department that look like collaboratively working with the Navajo Nation Department of Transportation uh, and working on projects associated with that, having more interagency collaboration, not only among federal partners, but also state partners. And so one of the things that I always hear people from the Corps say is, you know, we don't want to just create a report that sits on the shelf. We really want to create usable tools. And the way to do that is to be able to participate in collaborative information sharing opportunities. And because that helps with projects to make them successful, to make them long lasting, to make them sustainable. And so I've appreciated my opportunity to work with the core throughout the years. Donnell, I I think it's over to you for your DEI question. Or, oh, yeah. you know what? Actually, I thought you okay. I thought you were going to ask something else, and then you wanted me to ask that. Okay, I, I will. Thank you, Angie, for uh, pushing me, tagging me, whatever. No, uh, Crystal, I, I I thought what you said was uh, was, was wonderful. And one of the things that I, I noticed when when you were talking is about the communication piece and. You know, people having to have that point of contact, somebody they can talk to, you know, so I, I know a lot of things can get lost 
in communication, in translation and, and, and whatnot. But let me ask you something. Like I said earlier, here we are in 2021. A lot of things have changed and and I'm just I'm just curious, what does diversity uh, and equality and inclusion, I mean, what does it mean to you? And, and especially, you know, in this, you know, this aspect of what you do with the core and all that, what does that, what does that mean to you? And do you think, just answer that question. I don't, I don't want to overburden you with a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, no problem. So diversity uh, and equity and inclusion, it means to me that there's opportunity to be able to be accessed. And that opportunity has been successful from the point of the core, meaning, you know, oftentimes the core is coming to Navajo Nation saying, how can we be a, a good partner, a better partner? And the tri I have to give it to the tribal liaisons within the core. Like they have a great investment in working with the tribes, um, particularly for me, it's working with the Navajo Nation and the core. But it's important to see the investment at the individual level of the core employees. And I know that if I have a question that they're willing to answer it, I know that they, you know, if there's opportunity to seek how a project may fit under these different authorities, that that is sought out. And so for me, you know, there's been great opportunity to be able to experience uh, DEI growth within the core through this collaboration. And I have heard, you know, some horror stories about the core working with tribes. And I'm happy to say that we, we don't have extreme horror stories um, with the Navajo Nation in present day. And I think that's largely attributed to communication, to being transparent about, about our actions. And so rather than the core coming in saying, we know what's best for the Navajo Nation. That is like the, the wrong way to start. The right way to start is to say, you know, we're really interested in what your needs are. How can we help you? For the people within the Albuquerque District, Los Angeles and Sacramento District, I have to say they've been very inclusive and inviting and wanting to know our needs and be able to try to help us navigate the authorities to see where different projects might work in. Because I don't know about you all, but you know, it took me a couple of years to gain better understanding about the authorities that are under the Army Corps of Engineer. But even beyond that, we have other federal partners. So we have to understand the authorities of the Bureau of Reclamation, the EPA. And so it's important to know those authorities because then we can better see how projects can be funded um, under different funding guidelines. What the what the listeners didn't see when you were saying asking that last question were the, the head shakes that that um, everybody was given. And yes, you're right, like the amount of authorities that the core has, plus the other federal agencies, it's a lot for anybody to navigate through. And it sounds like our tribal liaison program is doing good um, in ensuring that we're we're communicating with the, the tribal nations as, as effectively as possible. So Crystal, we're nearing the end of our time together, but before we go, I wanna kind of step back to your comments on, we're in this virtual environment. I think a lot of us know that this is probably some way of a new normal for everybody. 
And so how do we move forward and what do you see as the future of tribal and core or tribal and federal program partnerships? And how do we make sure that those continue to be successful in a more virtual environment? Thank you for that question. Yeah, I think everyone with this pandemic and the new way of communicating have really had some challenges, but also successes. And I'm happy to say, you know, the Navajo Nation has been working with the core partners um, and communicating often. And for, so for the Navajo Nation, you know, we have many projects that still needed to be done, uh, but we were at the height of the pandemic, one of the places that were had the highest infection rates for COVID-19. And so our leadership was very cautious about opening up and having visitors in our area. And it was great to see that, you know, the core were understanding and sympathetic to that. I mean, and literally working to address some of those pop-up clinics that need to needed to occur because in our area that we're in, um, with those high infection rates and the number of hospitals that we had, there had to be the assistance of the core to be able to create some of those pop-up hospitals, if you will. You know, our new normal is not what anyone expected. I appreciate that the core continues to be transformative, kind of like a chameleon, like trying to figure out, okay, if this is not going to work, then we're going to have to do something different. And I think that's important to think about as we progress forward is that we, so I've worked for the federal government before, so I know that there's things seem etched in stone sometimes, but I think with our path going forward, like we need to think about ways uh, in which, you know, with our changing uh, situation as we're coming out of this pandemic is to think about how we can be good partners with one another. And that sometimes that's rethinking how things have been done in the past and rethinking the future. I think that's a great answer. I'm glad that you pointed out the, the flexibility, the fluidness uh, of the core and and just the uh, I love the idea that everybody is getting along. So I think that's that's wonderful. Uh, Crystal, we want to thank you for joining us today for this edition of Inside the Castle. We appreciate you and your insights. So thank you again to our listeners. We want to hear from you. What topics are important to you and people you are interested in and hearing from? Until next time, be safe, be innovative, and be revolutionary. To provide your feedback, email us at cw.infrastructure.team at usace.army.mil. Stay tuned for additional Inside the Castle podcasts as we explore life inside the core and revolutionize civil works together.